We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Tuesday, March 19th edition of the RotoWire NBA podcast, sponsored by FanDuel. We're only days away from March Madness. That's how close we are to this. We are days March, away. Middle of March snuck up really fast. No I don't kidding. know about you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was one of those things where I'm really getting it. <laughs> <I'm, laughs> As I punched the microphone, yeah, I'm so excited to actually <laughs> raise my hands. And I was doing raise the roof, and here you can. <laughs> All right, yeah. Without that visual, I guess we'll have to move on. Of yeah. course, I'm Joe Bartle, and join alongside me, who is slapping the microphone as we speak, <laughs> is Google me, Alex Barutha. We're going to go over the NBA's six-game slate today. Uh, I, there's some impactful games. There's some impactful injuries or rest options for some players. But for the most part, this seems like a pretty tame slate. So we'll kind of touch on some of the news from yesterday first, as we always do. Dirk Nowitzki passed Wilt Chamberlain for the sixth or for six all-time leading score. Obviously, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the all-time leading scorer. Uh, and 
he's the only seven footer to score more points than Nowitzki. So that's that's kind of an interesting point in and of itself right away. Yeah, it's one of those things where you would think that the the taller players would have the best odds of like being the leading scorers in the NBA. Um, in a sport that's traditionally dominated by height, but as we're seeing recently, you know, the three point shot has changed things a little bit, makes it easier for smaller players to score. And I mean, Nowitzki, you know, what he did and and how successful he was from beyond the arc, or really just, you know, from 18, 19 feet with the fadeaways, I think that, you know, in part allowed big men to, to be where they are now, where coaches give them the freedom to shoot three pointers. I mean, before Dirk got to the NBA, Arvina Sabonis was the only seven footer to make at least twenty five threes in a season. And by the time he was in the NBA, he you know he had dealt with injuries. He'd been playing overseas, so um, I think you know if if not anything else, Dirk will I think go down into helping in history. I should say Dirk will go down in history and helping morph big men kind of into what we've seen today and just the nba in general yeah where i mean he's, he's transcended the game there's only a few players that can you can really make that case for yeah. and maybe he's benefited from the the rule changes that have kind of encouraged a lot of shooting and stuff but i don't think it's fair to suggest that nowitzki has only benefited from that i think in fact he's kind of created that atmosphere and really made it so now that we have every seven footer shooting three pointers and has to like on a consistent basis basis in order to be successful. Yeah. And he's a great, um, you know, he's a great example of how shooting uh, ex- can extend your career. I mean, traditionally big men, you know, we're, we're bogging in the post, um, catching a lot of elbows, you know, running up and down with a lot of weight, um, generally shortens your career. But now if you're a three point shooter, you can, you know, even though, Dirk's not looking great out there right now. Uh, you can still you can still be forty years old and and hit some threes and and be out there. So um, you know, I think in the future we'll see big men play for longer. Um, when you know previously a lot of them had kind of hit an early retirement. Well, that's why when you said you would assume that the big guys would be some of the all time leading scores in the NBA, I, I don't know if that's entirely truthful because there's injury concerns and risks that happen with those guys more so than point guards, shooting guards, small forwards, anybody under like six foot eight, especially in the seventies through even early nineties range, there was a risk that they could be done if they had any sort of leg fracture or anything like that. We don't see that ca- that case now. I mean, obviously modern technology has made a difference too. Right. And that's probably why some of those big men haven't piled on the scoring statistics that you'd assume given their height and the dominance of that during that era. But still, again, Nowitzki's going to go down as one of the first premier outside shooting big men. Oh, yeah. And that's, and that's going to be, I don't know, it's not one of those, oh, I was there and I could tell my kids about Nowitzki playing, especially when we have guys like LeBron or even Michael Jordan and potentially Giannis someday kind of being those players that, oh, wow, I was there for that. Right. But I don't think you could ever forget Nowitzki, and that's kind of a cool aspect to what his career will be. Yeah, he he does feel different from a lot of other superstars. I think for me, you know, the I mean, I'm I'm 25, so like my memory of Dirk, I mean, he's he was, you know, in his prime when I was really too young to be like watching him all right. the time before there was league pass, all that stuff. Um, but I think my lasting memory of Dirk will just be beating the big 3 heat in the finals and just how crazy that was and and just that team in general and um, you know, you go back and watch the highlights of just how impressive Dirk was it's it's easy to forget when you watch him now I think like if you watch him today it completely like clouds clouds your mind as to what he used to be as a player like five to ten years ago 
Um, especially if you watch super early highlights of Dirk, he's like basically a small forward running up and down the court at full right. speed, like dunking <laughs> on people in transition. And you're like, what is this? Um, but yeah, yeah, he's he's an amazing player. He'll, I, he'll go down as that. You talk about your favorite moment of Nowitzki, at least the one that you remember. For some reason, and, and I'm sure other people listening to this have dads or other parents that are uh, very remindful of your favorite team's biggest mistakes sure like oh they, okay. they get held on to that to such an extent where that becomes the overarching story of a player as opposed to whatever else they do Nowitzki isn't Dirk Nowitzki to me it's the guy we traded Robert Taylor for yeah right. <laughs> in whatever draft that was like I will I will know Dirk Nowitzki and again I don't I hardly remember Robert the tractor trailer and his career which I think only extended a few seasons but the fact that the Bucks traded the pick that would become Dirk Nowitzki for tractor trailer and at the time, it was such a good move for the Bucks, and how it's transitioned to horrible, a horrible move in hindsight will be something that always is kind of tagged in my memory with what Dirk Nowitzki is in his career. Yeah, and as in addition to you know what he did for the outside shooting portion and bigs in the NBA, what he did for European players yes. in general, breaking the stigma, which is exactly why the Bucks moved off of the pick mm-hmm. is because they didn't want to take the risk on this European player. Um, and went for the safer college pick. Um, and so I think that Dirk's legacy, ironically, has allowed Luka Doncic to I was be the on the thing. Mavericks. Yep. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of cool now. It kind of It's almost full circle in a sense, right? That, right. And, I, of course, I think the Mavericks are aware of that, and that's why they've kind of kept Dirk Nowitzki around, and they've kind of had Doncic be linked to him because they're encouraging that aspect. But it is cool to see, nevertheless. That would be, be an interesting question, though, to ask the audience at some point. Um what are what are your your favorite parent moments where they're oh yeah I remember when this guy was right. traded for this guy and then the, the latter guy ends up being significantly better I don't know we we can we can pose that for a different podcast someday I'm sure when we're old we'll have like haunting memories of I don't even know what <laughs> you know the 2024 NBA Finals or something yeah. that will be like you know yelling at our kids about shaking our fists Well, I even think back to the Chris Middleton. Uh, trade and how he came from the Pistons and what he means to the Bucks now. Those are some of those in- instances, especially as a Milwaukee fan, that you uh, put into perspective as your team, in this case the Bucks, have been able to do throughout this year. But we'll, we'll move past that. I've really tried to not be as harping on the Bucks as I can be in the beginning <laughs> of the podcast, but we'll go to that. The Nuggets, again, that's the Western Conference's version of Milwaukee, truthfully. They won their last game uh, yesterday night against the Celtics, clinched a playoff spot for the first time in six years, no player from the 2012-13 Nuggets uh, that last made in the playoffs is actually on this iteration of the team. That 2012-13 Nuggets team that made the playoffs last, Andre Iguodala, yes, the Golden State Warriors' sixth man, seventh man, yep. pseudo-defender supreme, he was the leader of the teams in minutes during that playoff run. Kind of incredible to think about what we have the Nuggets even six years ago. Like, six years isn't that long. It really is. It's not that long. And now we see what this team is now and what they can be in the Western Conference. It's kind of incredible. Yeah. And this was uh, this was also the year that George Carl won <laughs> coach of the year. The Nuggets got bounced in the first round and he got fired. So you have that. Uh, another coach there with, we saw with Dwayne Casey got fired after winning coach of the year. Same thing happened with George Carl here. For me, this team, this Nuggets team, um, this is about the era that I really, really started getting into basketball, like at a very serious level. This is um, about when I was like 18, 19. And I was like, you know, because when you're 15 years old or younger, you kind of just like vaguely know basketball, sure. I feel like. But this 2012-13 Nuggets roster um, is is one of my favorite 
teams ever, actually. Um, you had Iguodala, you had Ty Lawson at point guard. Ga- uh, Gallinari was on this team for Reed, was playing big minutes. You had Andre Miller at 36 years old, still playing 26 minutes a game and doing things. Wilson Chandler, JaVale McGee, Evan Fournier were on this team. Um, I just really, this this was a great team. Kind of a shame. You know, they lost in the first round uh, because they had, you know, obviously had so much potential. Uh, they were playing at the second fastest pace in the league, you know, running people up and down Denver, <laughs> giving them asthma attacks up in the... Well, and the Suns were the first team, right? I mean, that was still in the era where Steve Nash was doing Steve Nash things for the Suns? Yeah, essentially. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they could not beat um, the Golden State Warriors, uh, lost in the first round. Um, that was... Um, that was like the, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Jarrett Jack, Jarrett Jack, Jarrett yeah. Jack, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green. Like that was kind of the com- coming out party for these guys. Um, and that they had acquired Andrew Bogut, the Warriors did at that time for Monte Ellis. Yep. In that trade. Um, and Bogut really be- ended, up, ended up being a pivotal part of what the Warriors would become. But certainly that was kind of the first time that we really saw what the Warriors could be. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, you look back at the age, Clay Thompson was 22. Um, That's crazy. You know, Steph Curry was 24. I mean, this was, um, you know, if there's one team that I guess you, you're okay with losing with, it's the soon to be dynastic Golden State Warriors. Um, Beyond this, I mean, overall, I guess just for the modern team, the Nuggets, this is great for them. Um, Well, well, go ahead. that, That Nuggets team, they weren't even supposed to be in that position because they had just gotten off of the Carmelo Anthony trade the year before, mm-hmm. which gave them Chauncey. Uh, yeah, I mean, it gave them Wilson Chandler, Raymond Felton, Gallinari, who you talked about, Mozgov, of course, who's now infamous with the Lakers signing of all things. Right. Um, and then Costa Kuf- uh, Kufos also kind of came as one of those picks, too, in that deal. I mean, like they weren't supposed to be as good as they were when they had made the playoffs because of that Carmel Anthony deal and the Knicks against, or not. Yeah. The Knicks had struggled kind of after that deal as well. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was a great trade um, for the Nuggets. I mean, they, they got the farm Um, really impressed by, I think it was Masai Ujiri who who organized that. It's now the Raptors GM. Yeah. Now the Raptors GM. So um, kind of the start of that, you know, his, I think his, um, what we think of Masai Ujiri now began kind of with that Nuggets team. You're, okay, so I interrupted you, though, as we were going down Carmelo Anthony Lane, or Carmelo Anthony Lane. Yeah, sure, we can call it memory sure. lane. What, what do you feel about this Nuggets team, or how do you feel they can really do? We've talked a lot about the Thunder. We've talked a lot about the Rockets in past podcasts. We haven't spent a lot of time on the Nuggets. Obviously, the Warriors are a dynasty that is going to be difficult to topple. We both agree with that. But I still believe, especially with the home court advantage, and that's really what Denver has, right. is a home court advantage for many reasons, mm. one of which is legal weed. Uh, <laughs> I, I honestly believe they can at least win two games against the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference. Do you agree with that assessment, or do you think maybe it's a little bit far-fetched for me to think that way? No, I, I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a very reasonable take. I actually thought the Nuggets underperformed last year. I was very high on them. I was upset they didn't make the playoffs. Um, it went down to a final game between them and the Wolves, but um, you know the the Nuggets got a really early win against Golden State this season. Um, it was October twenty uh, first, which is the third game of the year. Nuggets came out on top, one hundred and ninety eight. Um, they've lost the two games since. They kind of got you know it was not a great. Um, they they got beat by a lot the past two games. The Nuggets did, but 
Um, yeah, I think my my main concern is that I think the the altitude and the home court advantage for the Nuggets matters less in the playoffs because the the players have like a full twenty four to forty eight hours to acclimate, as opposed to some situations during the regular season where you're basically flying from you know you could be flying from like New Orleans to Denver for like a back to back or something like that and you really just get screwed. That advantage isn't isn't as dramatic in the playoffs. Um, but overall, I mean, this team had so much success without so many of their starters healthy. Jamal Murray, um, you know, is missing time. Gary Harris, Will Barton, right. Paul Millsap. I mean, a bunch of guys missed time. I mean, Jokic obviously deserves MVP uh, discussion, at least top five for like holding this team together. And if all of those guys who missed time, you know, can get a rhythm right before the playoffs, I would, you know, this is a team that could seriously make noise you have the guards to run around the screens for the nuggets but i'm not sure you have the guards to run through screens right when it comes to covering clay thompson even steph curry and that's where a bit of a concern would lie for me like i don't anticipate gary harris or will barton being much of defensive threats when it comes to those two guys and and just chasing them around for a seven game series feels like a tall order and that's where it's difficult for me to say yeah nuggets are gonna have a chance to win against the warriors Compare that to the Rockets or Thunder where there's a bit more bigger bodies that can make that transition. They have more people that they could throw at some of those guards. Right. For the Warriors, it's it's, it's not impossible. Um, and I don't even think that the uh, Nuggets have a worse chance than the Rockets or Thunder, but certainly don't have a better chance despite what the record might indicate. My concern is they just don't really – the Nuggets, I don't think they have the personnel to switch effectively with the Warriors. And we saw the Rockets. I mean, that's what the Rockets do. They switch on the Warriors to ne- – to negate all of those off-ball screens. Um, they just have nobody hit the screen. They just switch the guys. And the Nuggets, I just don't think they have the personnel for that. They kind of play, I mean, Jokic, Millsap is a huge front line. They have Mason Plumley playing a ton of minutes. I'm not really comfortable with either of those guys switching on to like Kevin Durant. Um, and you could avoid, I mean, you can play like a, you can switch certain matchups, um, certain screens, stuff like that. But, you know, I think for Denver, their best shot would be trying to overwhelm Golden State by just, you know, using Jokic in the paint. Um, just trying to use the because the the Nuggets have a like a uh, a, such a, a weight advantage yeah. at the very least. So I think that's how they would steal some. It's games. almost ironic that the Nuggets, for as great as they've done this year, have done a, I think transition offense, but really just up tempo pace. I don't think that would actually benefit them in a seven-game series against the Warriors. It'd almost be like they have to slow it down, utilizing a bit of Millsap's mid-range game coupled with Jokic, and that, that's kind of how I, I feel it. They'd have to make the series get ugly. I don't think yeah. they, could, they could finesse the Warriors. I think they'd have to make it uglier. Right. Yeah, I agree. Oh, well, I guess, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about the Thunder and Rockets and what they mean playoff-wise against the Warriors. I don't feel as confident against the uh, the Nuggets in that situation, but that, again, not to rule them out necessarily. And there's still a lot of the regular season. I mean, we still have 12 games for most teams left to go, so there is potential for maybe not a serious injury, but something can still affect things before we really get to that point where the Western Conference playoffs heats up. We know one team that won't make the Western Conference playoffs, and that's the Los Angeles Lakers, who have lost eight of the last 12 or eight of the last 10 games, I should say. Their latest one it was a 124-123 loss to the Knicks, and Mario Hazonia blocking LeBron James' potential game-winning shot. He also went 4-for-15 from the field in the fourth quarter. 
I don't think it's much of a surprise to say LeBron James is going to be out for a couple more games or kind of <laughs> spacing his time out. Of course, this game, Tuesday's game against the Bucks, he'll be missing time along with uh, Giannis. I, I, did they just bench him because out of embarrassment? Yeah, I mean, someone might need to check on LeBron. <laughs> like, we might need, I mean, that I love that clip. I watched it so many times. <laughs> LeBron, he does like he goes left and like. He, you can almost feel like he's going to that fadeaway, and Hazonia reads it so perfectly, and he jumps up, and LeBron knows he's in trouble right away because he tries to hang in the air and like wait for Hazonia to pass and then shoot, but LeBron doesn't have as much hang time anymore, so he kind of just really starts falling down, and Hazonia just blocks a blocks a hell out of him, and then just like stares him down. It was the Hazonia stare down was incredible because it had that look like. He just looked at him like, who do you think you are trying to score on me like this? Like, who the are you? traveled Hazonia, who was, yeah. was supposed to be this Super Mario guy for the Magic and then is flamed out and now playing major minutes on a Knicks team that's won 10 games all season is trying to show up LeBron James. It just felt so real. Like, sometimes <laughs> you see someone, like, with a mean mug and you're like, that's he's trying really right. hard to do that. And with Hazonia, you, I really felt that he was like, LeBron, who? Like, try to score on me? Um yeah, it's definitely a new low for LeBron James. 11 missed shots in that fourth quarter represent the most he has ever missed in an entire quarter in his illustrious career. Again, I, I understand what the Lakers are doing at this point. We've talked about it for the last two podcasts as far as what the Lakers' strategy should be, especially if they are interested in acquiring Anthony Davis. This made all the sense in the world to me, especially after Brandon Ingram went down um, with that unfortunate injury, or I guess we've kind of talked about illness more so than injury. Right. But, um, it seems like Ingram's going to be fine after the surgery. That was about his best case scenario as it could be. And I think as a result, Ingram's best case scenario surgery probably is the best case scenario for a Lakers that team that's not making the playoffs. They're going to have a higher pick, likely 14, 13, 12 range, which again could be a valuable ask to the Pelicans. I don't believe so. If we've learned anything from the NBA in the last 10 to 12 years, it's those picks sometimes work out. The Giannis's right. and, uh, well, well, I don't know. What other players can you think of immediately that get picked in like, like Donovan Mitchell is kind of a mid-round guy. Yeah. I mean, those are those are they don't happen very often. Like right. people you're always gonna bring up those exceptions, right? Like you'll bring up the Mitchells and the Giannis's, but there's so many of the times where you draft a guy that just does not work out in that range. And it to me it's not big of an asset, but I'm sure they're gonna try it. Especially the LA media is gonna try to make that sound like it's just a super enviable pick. Yeah, honestly, I feel bad for whoever gets drafted by the Lakers. Like I like really because you're gonna know it like you're gonna put on the Laker hat and you're like well maybe like like maybe you'll play for this team maybe you'll no show way. up to camp no way what I don't know if there's any gambling odds out there for that uh, that pick now I would be willing to bet the farm and I don't have a farm even though I live in Wisconsin but I would be willing to bet the farm that the Lakers will trade that pick whether for Anthony Davis or somebody else there's absolutely no way that pick stays with the Lakers it's very unlikely. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's weird because you just know you're like this weird trade piece in, in this thing that's been happening for so long. Like, um, it'll be interesting. I, I'll I look forward to the commentary on draft night when the pick actually gets made. I'm sure the one person will just be like, Well, we'll see where that guy ends up. You know. I I honestly believe they'll have it figured out before then. I like I don't I hopefully come, come draft day, I don't think the Lakers will have that pick. That's I like I don't even think we'll get to that point where we get to see the awkward dynamics of that. Yeah. That happens all the time, but yeah, I, 
I would hope that they have things figured out by When then. can we move past the, we have to wait for this to officially pass before we can really say that, that. That's so annoying. It's being reported everywhere. Why can't we just say, yeah, this is a trade. I know we have to wait three days or whatever, but it, this is going to happen. It's really annoying just because it, the league office has to do their thing. We have to make sure the salaries are fine and like all that. It's like, but who's out there making trades that are just like so blatantly wrong that are being reported that like, oh, wait, just kidding. That trade didn't happen. Um, almost never. Well, the two Brookses for the Grizzlies earlier in the year. Okay, that was <laughs> all time. That was historic. That was historic. Yeah, wow. Oh, yes, historic. I guess Th- I can't think of many times where you've, you've differentiated on which player you want who has the same last name as the other player, and that ends up killing the deal. Because that never went through then, right? It never went through. But then they had upset Marshawn Brooks so much that they had to get rid of him. So they ended up uh, trading him. Uh, I think they triggered him to the Bulls, who waived him. Uh, and then the that stories of Marshawn Brooks. Well, no, because this it's okay. This is well. The thing is, the th- this deal actually, in in hindsight, is a horrible deal. Um, so they because they messed up the Brooks and Brooks deal. Um, what the Grizzlies ended up having to do was trade Marshawn because he was unhappy. So they dealt. Marshawn Brooks and Wayne Selden, plus two second round draft picks to the Bulls for Justin Holiday. Justin Holiday is not good. He's shooting under 40% this year. He's like 29 years old. And so now the Bulls get the Grizzlies first round pick, second round picks for this year and next year. And the Grizzlies are bad. So the Grizzlies essentially just handed over two second round picks for the Bulls as a punishment. <laughs> for having messed up this original deal with it. And this is a different NBA. Like second round picks, at least in the first 10 to 12 range are somewhat valuable. I mean, this isn't where you're just buying them necessarily for money. Like we used to see maybe even 10 years ago, this is a situation where you can find guys that will be rotational pieces for your lineup. If you give them a chance. I mean, when you're, when you're the bulls and your entire team's an open tryout, essentially like as many second round picks as possible, you just bring them all to camp, have them play as much as possible. Summer league, maybe one of them will turn out like Chris Middleton, second round pick, Draymond Green, second round. We, like we talked about before, there's plenty of examples, second round picks that turn out. You just want as many shots as possible. Right. And if not, Windy City needs more players. Right. (laughs) That's their G League team. If anyone needs to know, I can give you all the information on Windy City Bulls and Walter Lemon Jr., who's been a fantastic surprise for them. After being acquired from the Red Claws. That's a great name, by the way. Walter Walt, Lemon Jr. Yeah, Walter Lemon Jr. He has been one of the G League All-Stars, if that matters to you at all, which it shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> it be, I should know the. I mean, just like theoretically, I should know these names. So I appreciate whenever you, you hop in with the G League now. I have to. It, it makes me feel more relevant as a person. <laughs> all right. So uh, we've talked about the Lakers. I guess we can kind of get on to Tuesday's slate a little bit. I already talked about I already kind of gave a little bit foreshadowing. Both Giannis and LeBron will be out in the Bucks and Lakers matchup. So we get... A historic battle between Rajon Rondo and Eric Bledsoe for what means absolutely nothing in both the Western and Eastern Conference. Means everything in daily fantasy basketball. <laughs> um, yeah, this is actually a pretty, pretty. Um, I, I mean, this is upsetting just because you want to see LeBron and, and Giannis face each other. But um, yeah, for I mean, for daily fantasy, you have two of the highest usage players in the league against each other in a fast-paced matchup. Out like this is a this is the the premium environment for finding value um in your in your lineup so i think it's easier to find value on the bucks than it is the lakers um just because like we know that 
we kind of like know the established order of players for Milwaukee. Like we know Middleton's going to shoot more and Bledsoe's going to handle the ball and Miritich is going to play more. But for the Lakers, you kind of just, you assume Rondo's going to handle the ball more, but he's also a veteran. They're not playing him that much anymore. So like, do you play Alex Caruso? Um, you know, how is Kyle Kuzma going to take over at any point? Really hasn't done it at all this season. Um, you know, you can put your faith in Contavious Caldwell Pope, but like I flip a coin, right. you know? So, um, yeah, overall, I mean, this is something just to focus on in, in DFS and unfortunately for people who are kind of, we're looking forward to watching the game for the two superstars. Yeah. Uh, I'm a frequent bucks Reddit, uh, reader. So sure. I, I had saw on the subreddit, I think earlier today, somebody had purchased birthday tickets for this matchup couple of weeks before, and uh, thinking you get to see a primetime Giannis LeBron deal yep. courtside, you now get Eric Bledsoe, Rayshon Rondo. In that situation, um, shout out to whatever user that was on Reddit. I, I do sometimes, I feel bad. Like, I've, I've normally been like, a, just rest the player, who cares? Like, I don't, the fans' perspective, you're going to have to, you're there for the entertainment aspect of the game, not certain players. But sometimes when you literally have every star player out, like in a situation with this Bucks versus Lakers matchup, I do feel a little bit like maybe there should be a discount of some sort thrown the way of the people that have actually purchased the tickets and attending the game. Yeah, it'd be interesting to do like, you know, 20% off apparel. You know, you that would make the NBA so progressive. If they if they went that direction, oh, I mean like the fans if the NBA decided to do anything like that, and I think it's probably more decided by the team as far as what yes. happens there. Like the yeah. NBA couldn't mandate something like that, I don't right. think. But if they were, in this hypothetical world that I'm proposing to you, I, I would imagine the fans that they would get would be just twofold as far as the return value of what could be if you missed a player like that. I mean, you get 20% off jerseys. You get to see Pat Connaughton play 30 minutes. <laughs> it's a win-win. It's a win-win. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll make some calls. We'll, we'll see what we can do. Okay. Alex, if you're like me, you wake up in the morning with brain fog, uh, feeling lazy, confused. That happens to me not even daily. I would say hourly, but I don't really wake up hourly on that. So that's that's a problem in and of itself. Your job requires you to be on top of everything, but your mind often slows down. Your attention drifts away and your memory fails. The latter definitely occurs. I had to definitely look up the whole Carmelo Anthony trade thing before I could even discuss it with you. Yes. Coffee prescription meds have failed you. I've had at least two cups of coffee today, and I'm still feeling that. And I get a little jittery, lack of sleep. And worst of all, it keeps happening to you when you need to be at the top of your game. Lucky for you, Onnit may have the answer. With a team of scientists and researchers, Onnit took the best earth-grown botanicals and created a one-of-a-kind cognitive enhancer called Alpha Brain. It could be the solution you've been looking for. Alpha Brain works, and it's been clinically studied to help healthy individuals support memory, focus, and processing speeds, and is made from normal ingredients found in nature. And for a limited time, Onnit is giving you the chance to try Alpha Brain for free. You just have to pay for shipping. If you're not satisfied, you can keep the bottle, and Onnit will give you a full refund. You don't even have to call. Just no hoops, no catch, nothing. It's easy as it can possibly be, entirely risk-free, with a 100% money-back guarantee. Go to onnit.com slash rotowire and try it today. Let's go through some of the best and worst performances from Monday, and we'll start first with the bottom three guys that probably could have used some more alpha brain to get through their (laughs) game. I mean, like, Fast and Furious Dom Sabonis, which he will be forever known to me on this podcast, in the loss to the Trailblazers, scored seven points. He was three for seven from the field, seven rebounds, one assist, and one block in 26 minutes. What was his negative uh pr number there i didn't even look oh i didn't look his game score was like minus one i think it wasn't it wasn't egregious but this is not a good game for for sabonis um 
I mean, the Blazers have a relatively big front line. They have good wing defenders, good big defenders. So it's not surprising he had an off game, but you generally expect close to a double-double out of him. Yeah, I mean, again, only 26 minutes, too. Like, for a guy that you're expecting double-double production from, from to be playing less than 30 minutes a night, it's not, I guess, uncommon for Fast and Furious down. But uh, you could certainly use the production. Troy Brown, also in the win versus the Jazz, scored two points. He was one of six from the field, six rebounds, three assists. One steal and one block in 25 minutes. So we're kind of going over the basketball references game score, which takes into account all box score statuses and includes percentages. And we kind of use that for the fantasy basketball aspect, but it focuses on players who have played at least 25 minutes in that contest. How often are we going to see a guy like Trey Brown really be playing more than 25 minutes? Yeah, not that not was too often. Um, you know, with, with the Wizards, the way they are um, being so bad, uh they just they're just gonna throw guys in the lineup once in a while they they do they use their g league call-ups pretty well like they'll call a guy up have him play 20 minutes send him back down um so they actually there will be situations like this but very rarely will you throw this guy in your dfs lineup has jordan mcray finally started to get into the starting lineup for the wizards he's not he's not in the starting lineup for the wizards this is so frustrating i know the wizards are bad why are they not going to one of the premier scores in the g league in jordan mcrae that is a great question he actually he did play 14 minutes thank you uh yesterday scored 10 points yes uh on one of two shooting but eight of eight from the free throw line he gets to the line in such weird ways you'll look at him you'll go watch like a youtube video of jordan mcgray i have no idea why you'd be doing that but if you did and you watched him play he has this weird like his body frame wouldn't make you think he can get to the line at all and it's not like he drives into the paint a ton but he gets a lot of free throws he is 6'5 179 uh that's like brandon jennings-esque right and I, i would i would nicely say about jordan mcgray that his body type isn't like he's super crossfit looking like just it, it, i don't think he's like he's just a skinny dude yeah but it's not like he's like 10 two percent body fat either sure thing. It, it's yeah he it's, just hoops that's all he does yes, no lifting no push-ups scoring yeah. <laughs> i don't know how it happens <laughs> i don't know hooper. how it happens but they need more jordan mcgray in their lineup every team needs especially a stinking team like the wizards another one of my favorite g league players who's somehow playing 26 minutes a night. Kadeem Allen in a loss to the Raptors. Zero from eight from the field. One rebound, one assist, one steal in 26 minutes. The Westchester Knicks, here's another G League fact for you, are probably one of the deepest G League teams that I can recall, certainly right now, like among the 27 or eight teams. They have a a fantastic starting eight, frankly. And Zach Irvin just returned, or I'm sorry, Isaiah Hicks returned, and Zach Irvin returned from injury. They have a pretty potent lineup. Kadeem Allen wasn't even scoring, like, I think, under 20 points for them per night. And he was one of the main point guards on that team. Kadeem Allen actually had like a nice stretch of games for a while. Um, from February 9th to the 14th, which was four games before the All-Star break, he's averaging 16.5 points, six assists in the NBA for the Knicks. Yeah. It's- I, I, well, it's because he's getting so many minutes. Like, I honestly believe there are a couple players in the G League currently that if they were getting the amount of minutes Kadeem was getting – They'd be putting up similar, if not more, production. Like, I don't think of all the guys I've watched and kind of studied throughout the season, I don't think he's one of the best G League point guards around. But sure, he fits in well with whatever they're doing currently for the Knicks. I mean, he's he's a guy, I mean, a lot of times with these G League players, it's interesting because they're older than you think they are. You kind of, you When you see a name that you haven't, like, seen before in the box score, you're like, that guy must be, like, 20. Kadeem Allen's 26. So I'm not sure if he'll have, like, really an NBA career going forward, but... 
hey, I mean, he's he's played relatively well when he gets you know real NBA minutes. He had a bad, I mean, he had a bad game this time out, but in general, um, he's worth. It's probably worth knowing his name at least if you're a diehard NBA fan. Well, if you're a diehard NBA fan, you know Andre Ingram from the <laughs> Lakers as well. I I only yes. bring his name up because it really gets Alex frustrated. Like his his face rolls back. I know you can't see it when we're talking on air about this, uh, but he he gets very frustrated. So I enjoy every time I can to bring up Andre Ingram and his many exploits in the NBA. If nothing else, Andre Ingram. The amount of times I accidentally click his name in the in that database <laughs> when I'm doing work instead of branding Ingram, that's enough for me just to be like, why why did they have to do this? All right, before we get to the perfect line for FanDuel and before we talk more about Andre Agram, uh, first a word from FanDuel itself. Fantasy basketball fans, the NBA regular season is nearing its end, but that doesn't mean your fantasy basketball season is coming to a close. FanDuel is offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy basketball no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel is something for everyone. Tons of different contests and formats to choose from, starting personally my favorite at 25-cent ones, especially tournaments. Those are itself. nice. Yes, those are definitely nice. You just pick a contest, you choose a team, enjoy watching your results. We talked about the 25-cent games. Um, I'll be honest, I definitely dabble in those more so than other ones because my bankroll isn't as big as maybe I would like at this point of the season. It would be nice if there was a way to just like flip a quarter into something. Just be like, yeah, here's my 25 cents. Would it be more satisfying if you could flip the coin into the FanDuel lineup? Yeah, like some some sort of old time. You're like, here you go, kid. Buy yourself a lollipop, that sort of a thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I uh, I think at this point in the season, I get so like... I get so frustrated with like the resting yes. and stuff like that. I actually play more 50-50s at this point of the year, um, which is probably the more financially reliable way to do things. Sure. But um, it's still great. I mean, you the one thing that's fun to do is if you stack some of the later games, um, you just see your score going up and up through the leaderboards. Because if you if you stack the early games, you're like, yes, I'm winning. Yes, and then for the rest of the yes, night, no, you just a hundred percent. I feel the same way as you. There's there's certain times where like I don't feel great about my lineup, so I'll set a few different ones. There's absolutely times where I will purposely, intentionally set a lineup either heavy in the late games or heavy in the early games, so I'll get a bit of a boost by looking at right. how great my score is, only for it then to be really bad or really good depending on how that rest of the night goes. I have 100% done that at least <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> uh, well, you could play that, and you could do that strategy like I just mentioned, which might not be very successful, but you can do it against your friends for bragging rights or even for money against the public. Uh, you can take advantage of our special offer for new users, and you sign up today at fanduel.com slash RW. You'll get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with your first deposit on FanDuel, and that means that you get uh, access to DFS lineup optimizers, weekly rankings, premium articles, full season draft software, particularly important for the MLB baseball season coming up and a lot more, uh, including articles too, about the baseball season, which I've been really diving into. Just visit fanduel.com slash RW. And of course, uh, avoid wear prohibited talking about that FanDuel perfect lineup from Monday. I was almost wanted to say Tuesday, but today's Tuesday. Uh, Goran Dragic was at 4,100. He had scored 54 fantasy points Monday against the Thunder, Steph Curry at 9,400 scored his 55. We had a Wayne Ellington sighting at near minimum <laughs> price, 3,600. He dropped 10 times the value at 32 fantasy points. Donchich, who we were talking about earlier at 9,800, had a good old 60 fantasy points against the Pelicans. Kenrich Williams, raise your hand if you know who he is. Well, he's at 5,000 price for the small forward spot against the Mavericks. He had 34 points. Paul George, 11,200 priced on Monday. He got a good old 56 points. Jeremy Grant. 
and James Johnson both had uh, 49 and 35 points respectively. And we had another DeAndre Aiden citing uh, he had 60 points for good old 7,500 price tag. Which of those was the most surprising to you, Alex? <sighs> Honestly, Goran Dragic, um, because he had not really been – he's been coming back from injury, essentially. And this was a game where Russell Westbrook sat out uh, because of a suspension. And Dragic, in 29 minutes, you know, took 17 shots. He had 11 assists. I mean, this was like in the in Dragic's five prior games, he had been averaging 11 points and three assists. Like he was, you just didn't play him at all in fantasy. And then he comes out and has one of the best performances of the night in a blowout over the Thunder. Um, just really was was unexpected. Um, you know, there. I mean. I, yeah, overall, I think that's the one that you would be you, that you looked at. And like that's the difference maker is is playing Dragic on on that particular night. Hundred percent. And you cheekily raised your hand when I talked about Kenrich Williams. <laughs> the, he's gotten three steals in the last or three or more steals in, in three of the last thirteen games. He played forty minutes though against the Mavericks, and I think that makes a big difference. If you got that has that potential to get not only rebounds, which he had eleven of monday but also the steal opportunities for only five thousand. that's kind of the people that you in particular seem to focus on when putting together your lineup when you are really trying to do less star and scrubs and more of a, a balanced all-around game yeah i mean it's it's advantageous like to get guys who i mean rebounds steals and blocks get you the most fantasy points steals and blocks are three rebounds um i think 1.2 um and so yeah, I mean, steals and blocks always help out. So if you are looking for a cheap guy to throw in your lineup, uh, check the minutes. If you think they could get 30-plus minutes, that's a good call. If you think that they can get some steals and blocks, also a good call because, you know, steals and blocks have a high variance, but that's kind of what you're looking for when you're in the you're in the 3,500 to 4,000 range. You're living in high variance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so those, those are definitely good guys to target. Well, stop trying to teach us and start trying to tell us. We have three <laughs> of the highest-priced players uh, for tonight's slate. James Harden at 12,300. Carl Anthony Towns at 11,200. Durant, 9,500. Harden's against the Hawks, but Anthony Towns, Durant, they're going obviously against each other in that matchup. Of those three guys, tell us. Which one of those three you feel most comfortable with price-wise? Uh, I I think Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he's not in my lineup for for reasons that we'll get to. But uh, Durant, I, ironically, I have Durant in my lineup and not Carl Towns, <laughs> even though I'm more confident in Towns. It's just the way things work out, you'll see. Um, but, you know, Golden State's on the second half of a back-to-back. They, I mean, they're going to be without DeMarcus Cousins. I don't really trust Andrew Bogut to guard Carl Anthony Towns in the perimeter. Uh, so I think Towns is in a good spot here. He hasn't. Um, he he was on like a really hot streak for a while and has kind of cooled down a little bit. He hasn't played 30 minutes uh, in each of the past two games, but the Timberwolves have been blown out. So obviously there's a risk of blowout when you play the Warriors. I think that will be I, – I think that risk is lessened here um, because – Golden State's on the second half of a back-to-back, and uh, the Timberwolves are at home. So I think this game could be closer than people anticipate. It's going to be a fast-paced game. Um, I do like Towns here. Of course, we're playing on FanDuel, so the reason, at least being one of the reasons, there's only one center spot. So you have to kind of pick and choose where you're going. Putting an $11,200 guy into your lineup, 
not only shorthands you when you're picking another center, or you can't do that, but also that's one of your highest priced players that you're going to have entirely in your lineup. So it's difficult, despite the fact that you like him in the matchup, to necessarily roll with that. Right. Yeah. The the center, the, having one center spot kind of gives me paranoia. I'm like, oh, I gotta make sure I you know get good value in this, even though it, I should think of it like as any other position. But it's tough. Like it's it's in my head. It's a different mindset. That's kind of why I enjoy FanDuel from that perspective. That the the one center thing can be a bit jarring at times but really does make a bit more strategical decisions for you yeah just based on the way the league is yeah i mean there's just so many more wings and guards and just so few you know true centers at this point that's true well of the six games for tuesday's slate two games are tied for the highest over under at 233 points we have the lebronless lakers against the Giannisless bucks and the nets at the Kings. so at 233 both are there for the highest over-under, the lowest over-under, that's the Pacers at Clippers. The Pacers are the sixth lowest or slowest team in the league and are on the second half of back-to-back. So there probably is concerns that they might not even match that total. Yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, they, you would take the under on this game and probably not feel bad about it. The thing is they're not at – are, they are on the second half of back-to-back. They aren't traveling that far. They're traveling from Portland. So they're not going cross country or anything, but it's still it's still tough on the road coming off a of back to back. I think more alarming of all these numbers is that the largest spread is the Bucks by fourteen points over the Lakers. Now I don't know if this came out before Giannis was ruled out. After I double checked right before. Wow. Yeah. So this is 14- it was a, it was eleven initially before the news of Giannis or LeBron. And then with both and of them out now, to, it jumped up to 14. Wow, especially with Malcolm Brogdon out with, with an injury that we expect to probably carry in maybe into the playoffs, to see them up 14 points without Giannis is a bit alarming, and I think I would feel not very comfortable about that. No, I think I think this just comes down to the the Bucks do, you know, despite Giannis being out and him being so much of the offense, they have a very established offense outside of him. They figured out ways to make it work. Um and they're still playing for they're still playing for something. I mean, they're playing to be the number one seed and have home home court all the way through the playoffs, which includes the finals because they're going to try to get the number one record in the NBA. Um, and meanwhile, the Lakers are going to play Alex Caruso twenty five minutes and not worry about it. Right? Yeah, I just, I mean, we're doing more of a DFS podcast as opposed to a gambling podcast, but this would be in a situation where I'm not sure I'd feel entirely comfortable with going that high. 14 is a lot and um normally this is the kind of spread you see for like a i don't know 76ers versus cleveland cavaliers type matchup and the lakers without lebron i don't think are that bad um and certainly the bucks without Giannis are probably worse than what the 76ers would be in that example yeah um i think you know the argument you you figure okay the the bucks are at home so that gives them an advantage they almost never lose at home um but yeah i mean second game without brogdon and without young it's like that's kind of a weird scenario like yes. how often does that happen so i think you know if you were putting money on this game it, i you you would definitely you shouldn't just i would even being a Bucks fan, I wouldn't automatically right. take the bucks in this scenario i might i would definitely think about the lakers well i think that transitions to my next question pretty well Eric Bledsoe at 7,400 feels like maybe one of the most automatic players on tonight's slate, right? I mean, yeah. like, there shouldn't be any other point guard that you're targeting first in your lineup if you have to go that direction. No, I mean, Bledsoe's a guy where you just look up the on-off court numbers with LeBron, or excuse me, with Giannis off the court. You know, Bledsoe is like 45-plus fantasy points for 36 minutes. Um, your concern here, and if you're playing a GPP, you might think, 
okay, the spread's 14. This game's going to be a blowout. Bledsoe's going to play 27 minutes, not play the entire fourth quarter. So maybe I should fade Bledsoe. I would agree with that assessment, like if you're going for the GPP. But either way, your reasoning should start with, am I picking Eric Bledsoe? Or your the beginning of your lineup construction. Just because he's, I think he's in the best spot, as especially in the point guard field specifically, just because the usage is going to... So cl- it's so clearly moves in his direction when Giannis is out. When LeBron is out and the other player like Ingram's out too, mm-hmm. it's less it's less clear how they how the Lakers uh function necessarily. I, I didn't set a lineup, but I think if I would have Eric, Eric Bloodsoe probably starts my team. Like I, I don't I don't think this game is going to be as big of a blowout as Vegas seems to suggest. So give me Bledsoe at thirty five minutes. Um and a guy that really is gonna have to carry the offense, especially with Giannis out. Yeah, and either way, I mean the game, the spread is, or excuse, uh, the over under is two thirty three. So like the Bucks could score a hundred points in three quarters, right. and so even if Bledsoe, yeah, even if Bledsoe plays twenty eight minutes, he could still get forty fantasy points. I think it's probably interesting more so to ask the other side of things. So who benefits the most with LeBron and Giannis out? I, I mean, I'm guessing the guy like Kyle Kuzma at sixty five hundred might make a little bit of sense for a forward spot as well. It. This is interesting because I we I'm going to plug this tool again. I've done it before on the RotoWire website. We have on off court splits. You can find it by going to NBA the NBA tab, then going to stats, uh, and as a drop down menu goes to off. So I took everyone off the court for LA who's not playing in this game. Kyle Kuzma was not one of the standout guys. It was about what he normally averages. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. You see a bigger bump for guys like Rondo. But he hasn't been playing as many minutes. Alex Caruso, that makes sense. Um, mainly, and the two guys I do have in my lineup, foreshadowing, um, I'm a professional podcaster, obviously. Kentavious uh, Caldwell Pope and JaVale McGee both get huge bumps and have been playing solid minutes. So if we're doing kind of a this guy or that guy between Draymond Green and Kyle Kuzma, my assumption is that everyone's taking Kuzma. And, you know, Draymond Green coming off the second half of a back to back. I, it's not ideal, but I'm also not sure how much faith the, um, how much faith the Warriors are going to have in putting like Andrew Bogan on Carl Towns. So maybe they'll just throw Draymond on Carl Towns a lot of the game and he'll be in there a lot. I don't know. I, this one's not as clear to me. Your gut says Kuzma. Right. High scoring game. But, um, I would, I would consider Draymond here. Worth pointing out, Draymond is at 6,600, where Kuzma is 6,500. So that really is a – it's a difference of opinion, not price. I mean, that, that's kind right. of your, your thought process there. I lean towards Kuzma because we've seen the athletic forwards just terrorize the Bucks sure. defensively. And sure. that's without Giannis on the court tonight. Like, I think that's where my concern lies, where these types of players have typically victimized the Bucks defense this season. At least this season, we've seen the, the forwards, the athletic forwards like Kuzma – really kind of give them problems. So I would go that direction, but you're right in the sense that Draymond Green probably is going to get more minutes than we've seen even the past week and a half, two weeks, because he's going to have to be covering a guy like Carl Anthony Towns, who the Warriors really don't have uh, a, a noticeable, yes, we can put him on him and stop him entirely. Right, and if you shut Carl Anthony Towns down, the game will be over very fast. <laughs> right, and that's kind of what the Warriors are looking to do. All right, let's touch on your lineup thing. Alex, you kind of gave a little bit of uh, an allusion to some of the people you don't have a single person over 9000 priced in your lineup Tuesday, do you? I don't. Um, and actually, when I had mentioned uh, JaVale McGee and um, – oh, actually, I posted the wrong lineup in our, uh, in our oh, document. No. I have it, though. Okay. I have it. All right, good. Okay. So 
Um, <laughs> my apologies. <laughs> so at point guard, uh, I have Steph Curry at 9,400 against uh, the Timberwolves. And I should say today, I normally play GPPs. I'm going to throw some money into a 50-50 uh today so just trying to hit the it's usually around like 270 280 i think the cutoff line uh so steph curry eric bledsoe is in there we talked about him contavious caldwell pope at 4200 who is essentially acting as one of my potential drop spots uh chris middleton uh we talked about him nikola miritich at 5000 which i think is a steal for him i mean he's almost worth it at 5000 if Giannis is playing it's close um i certainly a gpp candidate though i i think but in this situation uh um, he works with Giannis out then i would be fine but if if Giannis was in there i don't know if i would feel great about using him other than a gpp honestly not great but he has to he has to be feeling it i feel like in order yeah. for that to make sense and he does but we've also seen some games noticeably against the suns uh which we talked about two weeks ago where that was just an atrocious shooting performance from him very true very true um and then i've kevin durant at my other small forward spot uh, kind of leaning heavily on the Warriors, which I normally don't do, but in cash, I figure not a bad way to go about it. Power forward, I have Tobias Harris uh, and Mike Scott. I figure they'll get increased usage with Joel Embiid out. Uh, and at center, I have JaVale McGee. Um, partially because of the, I mean, the on-off splits with LeBron, Ingram, everyone out. Right. Pretty heavily favor McGee. It's like 50 fantasy points per 36 minutes. He's probably not going to play 30 minutes. But he has played 30 minutes in two of the past four games. Uh, and he he's only slipped below 30 fantasy points once in the past four games. What's McGee's price again? 5,500. 5,500. And his, yeah, his, like last, his last four games, 30 fantasy points, uh, 48 fantasy points, 24 fantasy points, 34 fantasy points. You're going to see people stack Kuzma. And I think you're going to see people also stack in uh, maybe not Rondo, but... I could see Contavious Caldwell-Pulp also fitting in there. Would you, I mean, like, that's a situation where you could potentially see three Lakers in there, whether it be Kuzma or not, into a given lineup. Do you feel like going extremely heavy into a Lakers situation, or is that not an area you feel comfortable going with? It's risky, but I can see the, I mean, you can, I mean, the upside to to basically stack the Bucks lakers game makes sense. Right. Just the injuries, the pace, everything like that. If you have three Bucks in your lineup and three Lakers in your lineup, I can't, I can't argue with you. You just have to worry about, you know, who is getting the minutes. Um, you know, is is Rondo going to play thirty minutes? Um, is Kuzma going to be able to to take advantage of the increased usage? Because he just in general doesn't hasn't played like amazing lately. Like he's pretty modest performances: thirty, thirty five, twenty three, thirty six. These are all fantasy points. So he hasn't hit a ceiling in a while. Banking on him to do so tonight, I think is. That's okay, um, but it's not something that I, I'm i necessarily going for. Okay. I, I mean, I, I would feel a little bit more comfortable, it sounds like, than you as far as going with the Lakers' direction, given what we've seen defensively from Milwaukee, at least as of late. But there is risk, I think, associated with going heavy on any particular team in a small game, or like, not small, but medium-ish slate like we've seen this Tuesday. Next Tuesday, 10-game slate going on. That will be more interesting to me, and coupled with the March Madness stuff going on, I think we'll have a lot of, uh, well, a lot more to talk about. Certainly, as some teams get closer to clinching playoff bursts and standings, as opposed to what we're seeing now, we're getting to that point in the NBA season where all hell breaks loose. Yes. I, I don't know how, and that's where I shine. That's where my G League knowledge shines. It'll be a great time. Well, we'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Discuss more of that NBA ten game slate for next Tuesday. But that does it for us. And best of luck to your lineups. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.